Thank you for tuning in to The Grammar of Grief with your host, Uma Girish, the show that is dedicated to creating a safe space to discuss the big life questions around grief, loss, death, and dying. Now, here's your host, Uma Girish. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to The Grammar of Grief. And do I have a special guest for you today? Today's guest is Amy B. Sher. Let me tell you a little bit about Amy. Amy is a leading voice in the field of mind-body healing and author of a wonderful book which is called How to Heal Yourself When No One Else Can. As an energy therapist, Sher uses energy therapy techniques to help those with chronic illness and in need of emotional healing. She has been featured on healthcare blogs, CNN, Curve Magazine, Elephant Journal, Cosmopolitan, and the San Francisco Book Review. Cher was also named one of the advocates 40 Under 40 for 2013. Amy lives by her self-created motto, which is, when life kicks your ass, kick back. She can be found online at www.amybshare.com. That's B as in Boston, amybshare.com. Welcome, Amy. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me with you today. The first thing I want to ask you is the title of your book. It's a really special title, How to Heal Yourself When No One Else Can. And so many people in this culture have given their power over to the physician. We've stopped looking at our bodies as having the ability to heal but can you speak a little bit to the significance of that title? Because I think that's a very profound concept. Sure, yeah. So what I found in my own healing journey from lots of chronic issues was that even when I did have inklings of the idea or, or you know, inspirations or intuitions about my self-healing ability, I didn't know how to do it. So I, we, we kind of worked on the title so that, it would really speak to people who both didn't understand that they had the ability to heal themselves and also maybe just didn't know how. The how part can be very hard for people. Right. That's so true. And, you know, I deal with uh, women who are grieving a life transition. Now, in your book, you speak a lot about the energy body, and not many people are uh, even aware of the concept that, we need to deal with the issues on an energetic level, and then the physical healing will manifest itself. So can you help us understand what's going on in our energy body when we're grieving? Sure. So like you said, that's such a good point. Most people don't even know they have an energy body. And for me, I didn't originally either. I thought just had this physical body, and that was it, right? You go to the doctor when something's wrong, and, and they fix that physical part of you. But really, our body is a complex network of energy. So it's energy pathways or like rivers running through the body. And that's how come people can get an EKG or an EEG. It's measuring the body's energy signals. And so our body is full of, of, of different pathways and centers of energy. And when, when those centers or pathways get get imbalanced, the energy isn't flowing correctly or freely, we can experience emotional and physical symptoms. 
And so what, what I help people do is go into the energy body and correct the imbalances there, which most often then affect the physical body and the emotional body. So when we, when we remove the blockages that are happening in the energetic system, then people start to feel much better on an emotional and physical level. And how can people get a clearer sense of their energy body? How do you feel that in your physical body? So a lot of times you don't feel it, which is why it can be confusing. It's actually part of who you are. So you don't always, you know, you don't always feel it. Um, some people who are really sensitive can feel it, but even though I'm in this in this energy world and I do this work, I'm not. Physic- I don't physically feel energy. I have been to practitioners who do, but I don't, and I can still work with my energy body. So I guess the answer is that people don't always feel their energy body, but learning about it and understanding that it's there, you can still address it anyway, even if you don't feel it. You know, you can feel physical symptoms if you feel a pit in your stomach or a fluttering in your heart. What that is is basically an energy imbalance in that area. So the energy isn't flowing, say, through your heart space or through your digestive system. And you'll often feel the energy imbalance as a physical symptom. So that's another way to sort of connect with the energy in your body. Right. And you speak a lot in your book about the heart chakra. And I think the heart chakra is a place that gets clogged up when we are grieving because there are so many emotions that come up. We feel lost and directionless. Would you speak to the importance of the heart chakra and how we can tune into our heart chakra and maybe release some of the weight of this emotion? Yeah. So interestingly, the heart chakra which is an energy center that's in the middle of your chest that kind of that's over your heart space is also in line with your lungs and in chinese medicine in traditional chinese medicine the lungs are associated with the emotion of grief so that's why and 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 as we all know, we often feel grief in our heart space as well. And so that's why it's important to address that area. Not only the heart, but the lungs are very, very connected to grief energetically. So we have two giant things in that one area, which is why a lot of times we feel grief as heartache or stabbing or tightening of the chest or heaviness. So one of my favorite techniques, if I can share it with all of you quickly, is actually just to tap with the fingertips down the sternum right through the center of the chest. So if you start right under sort of where where that notch in your neck is that connects your neck to your collarbone, if you start tapping on your sternum in a line all the way down sort of in between your breasts, and then start again at the top and go all the way down. That tapping is really good for helping kind of disperse stuck energy in the heart chakra and in the lungs. It's one of my favorite techniques. And actually, years ago, it was, it's coming up on five years when my dad passed away, I did that constantly. And it, it really, really felt that it helped hugely for my grieving process just to constantly be moving that energy out that was stuck in that area and it also gave me something proactive to do to help myself feel better as opposed to just sitting you know sort of stuck in that place of despair and grief now sometimes I will admit I was hysterical crying and tapping at the same time but that's okay it still gave me a focused 
healthy um, tool to use to help me, you know, move through that, that grief and that energy. Yeah, and I would say you were using, uh, uh, you were releasing through your tears as well as through tapping. So that was probably a, a double effective release, which is great. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the things I really learned um, in my own healing journey through many things, through grief and through illness and through anxiety, is that we can't, we can't wish or ignore emotions away. So the best way to actually release them is to let them come up in their full-fledged force. That's the best way to do it. But if we let them come up in their sort of full-fledged force, but we're not using an energy technique to help move it out at the same time, it can feel extra miserable. So what I suggest people do is allow all that emotion to come up so you feel it, but also pair it with a tool like the tapping I just taught you to help, once it comes up, to help move it out of the system so it doesn't keep on coming up and get, get, you know, get stuck, if that makes sense. Oh, that makes perfect sense. And it's such a simple technique because you can uh, do this sitting in your car. You can take a bathroom break if you're at work. It just helps you keep that flow of energy going so you don't feel all clogged up and awful by the end of the day because you haven't had the space or the time to pay attention to what's going on inside of you. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I love that. Well, there's such a ton of wealth in your book, Amy. I really have to say it's one of the best books I've read on this topic. And I love how you say that you can do all the vegan diets in the world and drink your green smoothies and work out 12 hours in the gym every week. But if you don't deal with unprocessed emotional events from your life, that is what will keep you stuck. And to me, that was such a, like a thunderbolt moment almost. You know, It was such a big aha because, yeah, we take care of all the outer because that's easy to control but we are not willing to dive into the space of emotions and feel them because that's really unpleasant. Can you speak to the importance of releasing all the emotions that you have been through, you've been carrying for your lifetime? Yeah, absolutely. And I always tell clients, I know how uncomfortable it is, but if you just allow yourself to feel, feel these emotions for 10 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever it takes for us to work through them, then you won't have to feel them for the rest of your life. The reason we feel stuck grief and stuck anger and stuck anxiety is because we're actually feeling them at a very low level all the time. They're living within our bodies because we're trying to ignore them and push them down, but we're still feeling them all the time and we'll continue to feel them forever until we release them. So I like people to look at releasing them as just a temporary, you know, you need to do this temporary uncomfortable thing, but then to be free from them for the rest of your life. And it is so true. You can do everything externally right and people won't heal or won't recover from grief or anxiety or whatever it will be because it's living inside of you. The problem is not necessarily outside of you. Now, sure, supportive things to help your body be stronger will always help overall, but you can't just fix the inside trying to address the outside. It's just, I, you know, it's just, it's, it, you're, you're aiming your energy at the wrong challenge or the wrong problem. So true, Amy, so true. You also make a really good point, and this was something I didn't even know until I read your book. Uh, you speak about how we think of trauma as this big monster in our lives. So if um, you know, somebody has been given a really rough 
hand in terms of child sex abuse or um, violence of some kind, that becomes a very traumatic incident which then influences and informs many of the things they do later in life. But you say a small incident like bullying or being called a name can be very traumatic if it's been suppressed and if it continues to live in your subconscious and influence how you think and behave and act, right? Exactly. And in really in my work with clients, most of the things that I see people become traumatized from are not the bigger things like childhood abuse and those types of things. I mean, it is true that those affect us, but if those were addressed in any way with therapy or an alternative therapy or whatever it may be, then a lot of times people have have let that go to at least to a large extent because they've acknowledged it they've worked on it they've shared it with others it's gotten the sort of attention and acknowledgement that it needs the things that tend to really be disruptive are things that we dismiss as not important or not big or not traumatic and then those things we don't talk about with others we don't acknowledge ourselves we're a big deal and those things end up sort of you know influencing us influencing us in ways that are big, but we never pay attention to them, so they never get cleared. You know, a lot of people that I work with have made peace with whatever their childhood is. Not, not all, and we do work on those, those bigger things if need be, but a lot have. It's just the things that, that they haven't acknowledged because they seem too small, like being called, you know, a name on the playground in second grade or something like that then those things get stuck forever. So even things, you know, if we're, if we're talking about grief, you know, hearing about your co, you know, a grief that happened to your coworker, but, but not allowing yourself to feel really sad about it, even though maybe, you know, it was somebody in their family and you didn't know that person or whatever, just not acknowledging that you felt a certain way as a human being, can be really traumatizing. So I always say nothing's off limits. If it felt like a big deal, then it was a big deal to you. You know, we're all sensitive souls, and we come into this world, and certain things upset us where it wouldn't upset somebody else and vice versa, but we really need to pay attention to what what feels bad to us so that we can acknowledge it and work on releasing it and move on. I love what you said. If it felt like a big deal to you, it was a big deal to you. So you need to validate it. You know, even in my work with my clients, I speak about the small losses which we tend to ignore. You know, someone comparing us to somebody else at the workplace, it can feel very minor on the face of, let's say, your friend who lost a child. But at the same time, you need to validate that you felt that. You felt that for yourself. It it informed your your feelings in some way, something shifted within you, and you need to pay attention to it and clear it out of you. Or the next loss that comes along will be another layer on top. And this is how we keep piling up one loss on top of another. Because in in this culture, we have such an attitude of comparison and judgment. You know, her grief is so much worse than mine. I shouldn't even be talking about this because this is too little to, to bring up. But I think that's the point you're speaking to about if it was a big deal to you, then it clearly is a big deal. 
Absolutely. I remember this conversation I had with my sister on the phone um, many years ago when I was really, really ill. I mean, I couldn't, I could hardly walk and I couldn't drive anymore and I was just so sick. And she called me and we're talking about something and she said, oh, I have the worst headache today. And then she said to me, oh my gosh, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't complain to you about my headache. And I said, no, you should. That's the biggest thing. That's the biggest deal in your world. That's still relevant and valid for you, even though I have bigger problems than a headache. That's your world is a different sort of sphere than my world. And whatever's happening there, you know, is still your thing. And so this is kind of what we're talking about is whatever affects you affects you, despite how you relate it to what's happening to others or not. Exactly. And you explain in the book that we're all wired very differently. So our filters are unique to us and we perceive the world through those filters. And so we can't look at the world through somebody else's filter, but that doesn't mean the way we are looking at the world is any less right or any less real. So it's very important to acknowledge what you're feeling and then release it because if you don't allow yourself to feel, you don't allow yourself to heal. Exactly. And I also want to bring up this point, Amy, uh, that you mentioned in your book about, you know, how especially in, in, in the times that we live in, there's so much of this idea of spiritual bypassing. It's like there's all this terrible stuff that I'm feeling, but I need to be a positive thinker. I need to be above this. I need to have a spiritual view of everything. And so many people are buying into this notion that although they're feeling real feelings, they need to bypass it to get to a place of being in control, being positive. And that really isn't the right way to deal with it, correct? I totally agree. I think forced positive thinking is probably the worst, um, one of the worst techniques or approaches I've seen seen in the world of spirituality and healing. Um, The problem is that it doesn't work. So what I suggest is to do the work, use the tools in my book or the tools you have in your toolbox to really release and clear the emotional blockages. And then it will be much easier to naturally think positive. Because what's happening when you force positive thinking, especially big positive thinking, like I'm healthy, happy, and free, even though you're miserable, sick, and you feel, you know, confined to, to a small life, is that in the back of your mind, your, your, your mind is going, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. That's not true. That's, you know, that's BS. That's not true. And so then you end up thinking that a million times a day, which surely isn't positive. So, so while I do really believe in positive thinking, I always suggest two things. One, to get to the emotions that are making it difficult to think positive. Clear those because then you'll have positive feelings and that will naturally lead to positive thinking. The other thing is to start really, really small. If you're miserable and sick and it feels stuck, don't start trying to tell yourself that you'll, I'll be fine, everything's going to be great. You know, start really, really small. There's so much to be said for baby steps. Just take, you know, just think, you know, as a, as a positive, as your first baby positive step, well, you know, 
at least I can have what I want for dinner tonight. Or, well, everything feels miserable except my hair kind of looks good. I mean, you could be a little bit sarcastic with it. This mm-hmm. is kind of a way to be grateful. But to play around with it, just find the tiniest, tiniest thing you can be grateful for. And, you know, many of the spiritual leaders use the example of I have a roof over my head. Well, unless you know what it doesn't feel like to have a roof over your head, that's not a – that's not usually something that you can tap into that grateful feeling about. Yes, of course you're grateful you have a roof over your head, but that doesn't usually make you feel more grateful instantly. So find something in your real life that you can have positive thinking about. I mean, for me, it used to be, I mean, just something so small, like I never got out of the house when I was sick. And so Sometimes it was just, you know, that I was able to have somebody paint my toes and they looked so pretty. I mean, it was something so little. And even now, you know, knowing all I do, I get into a negative rut. And, you know, sometimes I just have to start small, too. I have to think, oh, this day is so crazy and I feel so overwhelmed. But at least I, you know, at least I'm going to eat pizza tonight. You know, it's just, I mean, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Or at least I hate going to the grocery store. So for me, if I plan to cook dinner, but I don't have to go to the grocery store, it's like a win. So it's just like be, be playful about it and find the thing in your life that actually does, that you actually do feel grateful about, you know, and, and start there with your positive thinking, not the other end of the spectrum from where you currently are, because that's too far of a jump. Right. I've heard uh, a saying that goes, the challenge of being fully spiritual is to be fully human. And I think yes. that's the truth of that. I mean, we can't really pretend that we are these spiritual beings, divine beings that don't have emotions because we do. We live in physical bodies that are subject to wear and tear. We wake up one morning feeling crummy and people aren't always you know, nice to us. So things come up and we have to deal with them. But I think this this idea of just accept yourself where you are, and that's so true when you're grieving. You don't have to compare your grief with anybody else's. Give permission to yourself to be exactly where you are. Just hold your broken heart in a tender, gentle way. Cradle it as you would a child. And that's the best way you can come back to yourself. Because finding your way back home to you is the job of a lifetime. It doesn't happen overnight. This person you loved and lost, you had a connection with them for a whole lifetime. And so the grief isn't going to go away in one week or one month. Just know that you're grieving hard because you loved hard. And that's a good thing. I can't say enough about Amy's book. I mean, you have to go and get yourself a copy, How to Heal Yourself When No One Else Can. I had read so much about emotional freedom technique. I don't know from how many books, but I always found the idea too complex, too challenging, too boring. I mean, what do you say when you're tapping on these different points? Amy breaks it down so beautifully and gives you a really simple way. I have been tapping away ever since I read her book. What a gift. Yay. Thank you, Amy. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. That's a gift for me to hear. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, you're so welcome. We're so happy you were able to spend this time, and uh, I'm sure all the listeners will get so much from this conversation. So it it really is my pleasure that uh, I was able to host you today. And to all of you that want to know more about Amy's work, her website, again, is www.amybshare.com. That's A-M-Y. 
B as in Boston, S-C-H-E-R.com. Thank you again, Amy, for joining us. And I'm sure your book will bring so much value to everyone who reads it. I wish you and your book many blessings in the world. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Grammar of with Uma Girish. If you enjoyed the program, please leave a review and rating on iTunes. Connect with Uma at www.umagirish.com. That's U-M-A-G-I-R-I-S-H.com for grief guidance and inspiration.